0: This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we sit down and talk about looking for and finding that perfect location to allow your gym to be successful.
1: How's it going, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. We are owners of Performance 360 in San Diego, and we're back with episode 38 today of The Business of Lifting Weights. Uh, We're going to talk all about um, how to find a location, because that is a... That is an extremely important part of opening a gym and making sure the location doesn't suck and has a lot of different (laughs) attributes that are pretty critical that I know sometimes people don't necessarily think of.
0: Yeah, and this can be for um, people that are looking to open their first gym or
1: people that are looking for a second, third gym and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into the podcast, just a quick reminder, guys, we are in registration process for our FCC certification I believe we're 30% full at the moment, um, so it is definitely uh, moving towards what looks like we'll be at capacity, um, so if that is something that interests you, I do recommend getting on it. It's perform-360-fcc, all the information about topics we'll be covering, um, everything everything on there will be on the website, so give it a look and um, hope to see you there. Yeah, we've got early bird pricing going through uh, the end of this month, so yeah. Uh, big discount for registering early 599 for a three-day um coaching certification and it's going to be awesome we've worked on this for like the past two years as far as content um and it's going to be i'm i'm beyond excited about it so
0: uh, i've also noticed that you when you say the website address you never put.com which is pretty obvious to the listener i think <laughs> But it's always perform dash three sixty slash it. FCC. <laughs> sending people to a page that doesn't exist. But it's um, obviously pretty obvious that there's yeah. a dot com. But it is obviously obvious. Obviously obvious. Did um, I say that? Yeah. Sweet. The <laughs> mic is on the wrong side this this podcast. So.
1: Uh, so yeah. So in moving into the talk about the locations, it's pertinent for us right now because we are looking for number three, yep. um, and we're we're kind of scanning different parts of San Diego, and as we kind of look for different requirements um, with our partner, um, we are, you know, we kind of agree that the actual town, it matters, of course, you don't want to open up in a dump, but right. there's, no matter where you are, there's, there's characteristics that have to exist that have nothing to do with the demographics. Right. So I guess why don't we start at the demographics first and what we look for. Okay. So if you're assessing a location, what's, what's the number of, What's the number one thing that you look for in pure analytics? And then what are some other important things that you look for?
0: Um, well, first off, you know, it, it, it depends on our current two gyms. So we're in Pacific Beach. It's a younger crowd. So we tend to attract that. And we've kind of molded our gym around that demographic. So as we move forward, we're going to look for similar demographics to that. So our main age range um 25 to 34 as like a base and then that obviously extends out to like you know 22 going down and then up to 40 going up you know that's a little bit more broad but 25 to 34 is like our our kind of main i would say like 80% of our members come from that range um so that's number one i look at average age um in the zip code that we're looking at um and then surrounding towns as well obviously and then number two, um, income demographics. So we obviously don't want to be in a town that is, um, you know, low towards the poverty level. Um, I hate to say that that's like a determining factor. Well, of course uh, it is. But but yeah. it is, you know, income is, is very important, especially on a high-end gym like ours. Um, and especially for CrossFit gyms that charge more than we do, um, that's obviously a big factor. You see a lot of gyms that open up in like, you know, low-income towns and they just you know, there's not a whole lot they can do because they're priced out of that. that yeah, market.
1: and it's just a it's a matter of like, if people do not have the money to afford a membership that's $130 plus, don't open up there. Right. And generally speaking, if people are going to only be making, you know, 50 grand a year, that's your... If they're a single person who makes that much money, you might be able to convince them with some great branding right. to join. But if they're a family that makes that much money, you've got no chance of... Right. of of anybody ever joining. And the one thing that was interesting to me is when we opened up in Pacific beach in 2011, I remember we did so like extremely, I don't want to say hesitant, but we were just really unsure because we felt like, I remember we had this list of spaces that we were looking at opening and PB was on the list because I had a personal training business there. And like the main pro was we could open up with a space of members, but like we hated everything about the demographics (laughs) Um Except for the age, but the income on paper, it was really, it wasn't great. I think it was around like 60000 It was lower than that. Yeah. It, it's actually gone up over the past, you
0: know, five years or so yeah. since we've been here.
1: And so we were really nervous about that. But the important thing to keep in mind is, and I think PBE is something like 50,000 people. Right. So, something like that. important thing to keep in mind is you need 300 of them. Right. In order to run a really successful gym. Right. So... Don't get too caught up in the demographics and in the analytics. You just need pockets of people that are going to create your membership and then refer like-minded people within that. And I'm a very big believer in no matter where you open, unless you're opening in like the ghetto, like, right. there's going to be enough people to support the business provided it's marginally acceptable on paper. Right. I think if you look at, you know, let's just
0: take a very raw example. If you take a a town that has 10,000 people in it um, and the income demographics is skewed a little bit lower, um, you might have part of that town in the lower income area and then you might have, you know, part of that town in a higher income area where the two kind of mold together to get a relatively lower income. Right. And that doesn't, that might mean that there's still 5,000 potential people in that zip code. That would be able to afford your gym. So I think you're totally right. Um, Demographics and income information is important, but there are some kind of intricacies within that population that make it a viable business in that area or not.
1: Yeah. And it's like, you know, to me, the demographics are, it's like a barrier to entry. Right. Um, It's looking at the demographics is there to cross places off the list. Right. So I think if you see something where it's just high age, um, you know, if, if you look on demographics and it's like average age is, you know, 48 plus and the income is, is not where you need it to be, then it's an obvious, you don't want to go there. Right. But if you see some, if you see some aspects that you like, like I know, uh, you know, when we were looking at, when we we're looking at number three, um, we established that within a three-mile radius, there was an age group of this that existed. And it was an area that we were looking at that wasn't great on paper, but it's like like you said, you have these little pockets that, that can always work. Right. Um, so the way that I personally like to treat the, the, the numbers and the demographics is – I like them to be a guide, but I think you and I both agree that going and actually looking at the spot and walking the neighborhood, Absolutely. that's like by far what reigns supreme. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you look for when you're just like physically looking at the spot, you're down in it, you're scanning the area, like what has to happen for you to be interested in it? Oh man, that is
0: like really hard to describe in words. Um, you know, we've recently talked a lot about gut feelings and going with your gut, and I think a lot of it is just that feeling you get while there. Um, You can instantly tell when you're just walking down the street that it's, like, you know, kind of a bustling up-and-coming place, or if it's, like, got the sads going on, and everybody's, (laughs) like, just kind of dreary, and, you know, you you just, I think everything that we've done location-wise has been all based on feeling in terms of, like, the actual spot, so, like, you know, both of our locations now, we walked up to it and we were like, boom, Like yep. this feels right. That's the one. Um, so I, I think it is a lot of just that gut feeling and
1: just that, how, how you how you feel as you approach that spot. For sure, because that's what somebody else is going to feel like when they walk up to Yeah, it's a really good so point. So if they walk up, like, like for example, yesterday we went and looked at a spot, so... I mean, I guess to take a to take a quick step back as far as what gets us to look at a spot, square footage first and foremost. Yeah. So, you know, when we opened our first gym, it was about 2,200 2, square feet, and that was a shoebox. However, we had access to the outdoors on both sides of the gym, mm-hmm. so we were constantly, you know, like a run was part of the workout, and we could put equipment out there. So it was bigger than twenty-two hundred square feet, but we made it work. We we crammed. 450 members (laughs) into a 2200 square foot gym so for people who think they need this massive complex in order to accommodate their initial onset growth you do not yes creative programming get a great community in there a little bit of access to the outdoors helps but do not overestimate the amount of space that you need if anything it created a more intimate atmosphere i believe like we have still still people will talk about like you know it's like BC and AD like the era when we were in mission beach and like a lot of people are just like, that was still their favorite era and right. I totally get it. I yeah. totally get it. Um, so square footage, I think now we've kind of agreed that we look for more than that to start, but it starts at about 3000 square feet, give or take. We look for like 3000 to 5000, usually in that like 3,500 square foot um, type of facility. So that's what gets us to go look at the space and then once we're there first thing i think we both look at is where am i parking right and that's such a big one that's for me like the number one non-negotiable thing is there has to be parking and that sounds obvious like you wouldn't even have to consider that but there's a lot of places where the parking is unknown right and it's it's street parking and like at our, at our pb gym one of them is street parking but it's in a neighborhood and so there's always space around there. Yep. But if you're on a main thoroughfare and you're relying on street or metered parking, like, that's a major issue. Yeah. I think, um,
0: you know, it's one of those things that you look at and you're like, we could probably make this work. Like, oh, look, there's three spots there, five spots there. Like, you know, it, it'll be all right. Um, what you don't want to have to deal with is your members when they're coming to the gym have to think about parking as like a I a stress, I gotta, a stress. Yeah. I gotta get there early, I gotta find a spot. Um I think you're right, like our P B location, there's always spots within a one to one and a half block radius, but that still was like Max. Yeah, like on the verge of us, you know, not wanting to move forward with it. It was a big, big kind of conversation and we went back to that to that spot probably like five to 10 times at different times of the day, just looking at the parking, looking at what was available. And finally we decided that it was worth it. Um, despite it being a little bit of an unknown with that street parking and it's worked out fine. But when I go to the gym, I'm still like, I need to go a few minutes early because you know, you never know what's going on with the parking. So you said it perfectly. You never want that to be a stress or like any type of, uh, barrier to coming and joining the gym.
1: And I will say we're extremely spoiled with our first two locations yeah. because both of them had a private parking lot. Right. They're shared with other businesses there. But you're talking about rolling up and there being 100-plus spaces directly out the front door right. at zero cost. Right. And, like, that's that does not exist. Yeah. Unless you're in an industrial space, ours is on the beach. Right. So it's like we really hit the jackpot with that. And it has made us a little bit more picky as far as parking. But I think that's – I think – That is a net positive because we're so thorough in making sure people can get there. We ensure that that's not a reason why people won't come. Yeah, And so in this spot that we went to look at yesterday, kind of resuming that initial conversation, we looked at it because on paper it was great as far as – I think there was – what was there? Like 4,000 square feet in there? 4,000 square feet and it was on a main street. And so the first thing I noticed is I got there and there was no parking. I had to park a couple blocks away. So immediately I was coming in there like with a negative perception with it. Again, that's how somebody coming to the gym would feel with it. Like I just drove around. I can't park. I just found a spot. Now I got to walk a far distance to it. I'm coming in like not annoyed, but just I'm not starting out on the right foot. Right. And so, you know, the space was whatever it was all right, you know it was four thousand square feet. Um, but in in looking at the price, we obviously have a very specific price point that we look at because we know our numbers, we know what we need to hit as far as membership to overhead and running a profitable gym. Right. And I think this place was what two twenty-five a square foot with triple triple yeah. net. It was so, two fifty. So it was like ten to twelve grand a month. Yeah. Um, and so that for us, that's not a cost that we that we ever pay. Yeah. I think we pay um, we pay less than that. So cost you have to you have to really think about that because you know if you're opening a gym and immediately off the bat you've got ten grand in overhead tied up in your rent. That takes away from money that you could be applying to payroll. So you're mm-hmm. probably going to be coaching everything yourself. Mm-hmm. And it also just means you've added another 50 to 60 members that you need to break even. Yep. And that's – people, I think, really overestimate how easy it is to get members. Yeah. So in my opinion, it's all about making it through that first year. Yeah. Get a space that you – if the best-case scenario is you cram it and it's crowded and yep. packed. And you have to move. That's what you want. You don't want this barren, empty space where you're just bleeding with this overhead and you're struggling to get people in. Next thing you know, you're running Groupon deals or shit like right. that. And you've just totally watered down like what you once thought was this idea of culture that you wanted to have.
0: Right. Um, I just want to harp on that. You know, Starting off smaller, worst case scenario is you grow out of it. And let's just say you're locked into a lease and they're not going to let you move out of that lease to a, bigger spi- to a bigger space. Worst case scenario, you're jam-packed. You've got an awesome vibe going. You can raise prices if you want to raise prices to kind of uh, change that demand. Um, and that's like the worst case scenario with a small space. Yeah. If you go too big and you go, we see a lot of people that it's like, oh, 10,000 square feet um, all this, you know, equipment and all the, this stuff. And then people show up and it has the feeling of being empty and just kind of like blah. Um, you know, that kills the experience for your members. Plus you've got this massive overhead that is a huge stress. I mean, you mentioned, we won't get into specifics, but like we pay less than, you know, than what you mentioned, $10,000 in rent and still writing that rent check every month. I'm like, ah, Yeah. that's so much can't money be free <laughs> <laughs> um and obviously that's unrealistic for it to be like anything less than that we have great deals on our leases but um it is a massive stress and like you said if you need you know let's just say you need an extra 50 to 60 members than you would with a lower rent to break even um you're talking about potentially five to six months more of expenses before you're able to break even. So right. you need just a lot more money and cash on hand to be able to ride out that wave until you get big enough to, to afford it.
1: Yeah. And about the real estate is, you know, we're to the point now where our gym is, is pretty popular. Some days there's a wait list to get into the classes and, do certain people leave because the gym is too crowded? Like yes, that happens. That is a focus of ours right now. But it is an extremely small minority. Right. People if something is crowded, it's doing well. If you're for so for example, if you open up and say a two thousand square foot facility to start and it's crowded, it's probably crowded because you're doing a really good job with your training and your coaching. Mm-hmm. People are not going to leave that all of a sudden because the space is a little bit more cramped. Don't forget that the the reason it is successful is because it is a good service and that's going to keep more people than it's going to lose at the end of the day. Right. So I really like what you said about, you know, big gyms, you can have a big membership and it's going to feel tiny and your community is just kind of diluted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our 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 whole strategy to start was like let's let's get to profit as as fast. Well, first it was let's pay off our loan as fast as possible. Right. Then it was let's get to profit as fast as possible, so that you know we know this gym is going to survive. Right. You know that's not like a, a a position of greed. That's a position of survival. Right. Like let's make sure we can open the doors. <laughs> and then once once all that's taken care of, all right, let's assess what this is going to be like long term, where we're going to be, um, and all that. So. I think that is – that's kind of the the moral of of the story at the end of the day is don't feel like you're – it's kind of like how they tell you like when you're buying a home, you're not buying your dream home with your first home. It's like your starter home. Mm -hmm. Like think about your gym in that same light. Like don't feel like you have to open this dream mega facility your first go at it. Open a place that you can provide awesome awesome coaching and awesome community and get people rallied around that and – grow from there if it takes off cool then assess the need for like a bigger facility and you know every gyms have their own strategy ours has always been let's manage our overhead from a facility standpoint so we like the model of smaller square footage there's times where it certainly does get crowded and i'll walk in and be like man i wish we had a lot more space Mm -hmm. however that there's a law of diminishing returns that ultimately kicks in. With the more space that you have, doesn't necessarily equate to like a better, more members or a better experience. So, staying small, managing the costs, and um, focusing on the delivery of the actual service. And I don't think people end up really, really caring about the other stuff.
0: So you know that brings up a good question. Let's just say, um, let's just say we had five thousand square feet instead of our you know twenty five hundred or whatever it is. Um, would that equate? Would we have more members?
1: Um, well, okay. That's a great question yeah. because maybe, mm-hmm. but at a cost, if we were to do more members, we, you know, we wouldn't make classes bigger. Right. So if we were to do more members, it would mean running two classes within that workout. Right. Now all of a sudden you've increased your overhead of staffing, right? You know, ultimately that ends up being net profitable but it also ends up being net a shit show right and like we want no part of that right so um i know there are gyms that are really big um that run a very successful multiple classes in one location but they've also gone all in on like the 10,000 square foot model right um crossfit uh yakarhu yep. in austin when we had jessica on talked about that yeah but they have this massive like kick-ass facility right so it's doable but you need the space to do that
0: yeah and kind of one of my points there was you know we we are growing still um, we're nearing capacity for the current gyms and um, if we added more space I don't know if we you know I don't know if we could get to like 800 or 900 with more right. space like it's it's largely dependent on the area that you're in like we're in a very populous dense area with a lot of people That come come and go. If we add more space and add the capacity to hold more people, I don't think that necessarily means that we would have a higher membership base. Right.
1: I think if, if, you know, being hypothetical, if anything, maybe it means slightly better retention, Mm -hmm. but our retention is already 96.5%. Right. So it's like, are we really going to make a move like that and add overhead for another one percent?
0: Right. No. And you know, you got to look at all this stuff from a pure business and numbers standpoint. You know, if we add uh, double the space, we double our rent costs, we increase staff costs, we increase facility costs. You need to make sure that if you double that, that your profit essentially doubles. And yeah. that that would not be the case with with where we're at. All right, let's take a quick break, talk about our FCC program coming up in
1: November and we'll get back to the show. How's it going, guys? This is Dave Thomas, owner of Performance 360 and program director for our brand new FCC certification. Really excited to announce that for the first time ever, we are opening up our internal certification process to the public. November 3rd through November 5th in San Diego. It'll be a three-day weekend where we go over all of the different techniques and knowledge that has built our gym to the success that it is. And we're really excited for this because we don't currently feel like there is a certification or a coach's weekend in existence that currently goes over all the skills that a coach in functional fitness needs from advanced weightlifting technique, advanced powerlifting technique, advanced kettlebell rowing. And all the different implements that a lot of certifications teach you on the surface level but nothing that goes much deeper than that so we'll be reviewing everything that we've learned over the course of our six years we'll be opening up our training manual and going over technique going over program design going over science of conditioning and energy systems and leaving the coach with many new tools to go and help their athletes or sharpening and refining old ones so We're opening up Early Bird Pricing September 15th, and from now until then, if you are interested in getting on that invite list, please go to www.perform-360.com backslash FCC. Yeah, I mean, for me, the facility has always been like, kind of get out of the way, Mm -hmm. like just be enough for us to do our thing in here, do the workouts that we want to do which will take us into our next point, which is having outdoor access for me. Yeah. But just, I, I'm, I'm not a big, like, facility guy. Yeah. As far as, like, the, when you walk in, being wowed by what it looks like. Yeah. Um, I just, I like the square footage. I like it to be open. And going into the next point, I like it to have an outdoor component. Yeah. Uh, the reason for that, a couple things. Um, it's an easy way. We, we like having runs in our workouts. So, um, having the run in the workouts Not not to get in and make this a fitness thing, but it just it enables you to extend the workout at lower intensity. So not everything is like a seven minute crash and fly and die type of workout. Um, And it also breaks up the flow of the class. So you know if you're in a square if you're in a facility that has twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred square feet, you know, and you've got twenty five people working out in there, and all of a sudden you're in a conditioning phase of the workout that has a hundred meter run. You know, people are cycling in and out of the gym and it doesn't feel as cramped. Right. You've
0: got, you know, five or six people out running at any given mm-hmm. time. That means that there's only, you know, 18, 19,
1: 20 people in the gym. Exactly. And also, if you don't have outdoors, all of a sudden you can't really do farmer's walks. You can't really do sleds. You can't really do a number of things. You can't do sprints. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things from a fitness perspective that, for me, I kind of insist on having. Yeah. Um, so, you know if you're in, you know, I know there's gyms that obviously make that work and, you know, the city and whatnot, but having that outdoor component is something that I feel really opens up our training and that I really like to have. So that's why I'm not a very big fan of being on major streets, um, or like, you know, downtown areas where there's people all over the place. It's hard enough to do that in PB and that's kind of off the main street.
0: Yeah. Well, what, you know, going into that, what do you define as having outdoor space like what would wor- what works for you in that capacity because we have different facilities with very different yeah, outside components that's an understatement <laughs> yeah again it
1: goes back to the, like we're spoiled little bitches because <laughs> when we opened the first one that outdoor access was a giant lawn that was on on the freaking bay <laughs> directly on the bay the water of the bay came yeah. up to the gym so you know that was our first one it was great because we we had all this grass space for part of the workouts. Um, and then we opened up the second one, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, we opened up right in the water and a marina on the other side of the bay, and we have this path out back that goes for 300 meters, so it's awesome. Then we kind of got forced into, into reality yep. of, this isn't La La Land, <laughs> and we opened up in quote, downtown right. PB, and that was like... Welcome to the other side, motherfuckers, right. because we had none of that, and our outdoors is now an alley that goes for 300 meters that's quasi-uphill, that smells like trash, that might or might, may or may not have homeless people in it, and there's cars driving in it, and it's not any of the previous things that I mentioned. Yep. It works. <laughs> it does it work. Works. Yeah. We can go on runs. We can do sprints. We can't do sleds there. I dislike that about the facility. We do farmer's walks by going in the sidewalk in front of the gym down to the street, the sidewalk is like half crooked. So it's not a great situation. It's not a great yeah. situation. And like we totally make it work. And we have members that love that spot because it's a little bit more of like a, a warehouse feel to it. And we mm-hmm. have other members that are like, I'm not going to that spot. Yeah. Because they love the like open yeah. air beach access and the vastly different outdoor experience to it. So yeah,
0: I, there's one member I can think of that's a good friend of ours that she drives past the. PB gym, the downtown PB gym to go to the other one, which is, you know, it's not that much further. It's probably like seven or eight minutes further, but she
1: drives past that gym to go to the further one. Yeah. So, you know, for us, outdoor space is, is big and the right kind of outdoor space is big because we want to be able to do all those movements that we mentioned and have those components of the workout. And if that doesn't exist, it kind of changes the landscape of how we program. And then we're kind of getting into a scenario where it's like, I don't know if this is going to work because I know what has made us successful. Right. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to follow suit. So, parking, outdoor space, and then I think another big one <sighs> is neighbors. What's what's next door? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always, always kind of like not lucked out with that because we choose it by design. But having cool neighbors, neighbors that are going to be cool with weights dropping, music being played. Um, Vice versa. Are you cool with what that neighbor does? Like we moved into our PB spot and like two months later, a pokey shop opened. Right. That dumps raw fish in the trash can (laughs) 10 feet from our gym (laughs) the whole time. So you can't always control who moves in next door to you, but you can sort of mitigate that if you open up in a non-strip type of area. Right. And this is, this gym we're talking about is a standalone facility, but it's right around the corner and we have the same landlord. So we share the same dumpster. Right. So, um, neighbors matter for sure. Like I remember one time a few years ago, I remember I think we saw a spot in North County that we liked, but it was next door to a tutoring facility. Yep. And it was like, I know this won't fly. Won't work. So we didn't even try it with that. Um just kind of basic environmental surroundings and paying attention to who's there, um is, is important.
0: Yeah, um there's a couple gyms that I'm aware of. Um you know, one up in the la area um that is near my my older brother um they opened up and were next to you know residential area and um it got so bad with their back and forth on like disliking each other and one being angry about the noise and calling the cops and all that that they eventually um i don't know the exact details but some that incident happened my mind where where the neighbors, like, threw water on the members as they were running by or something. And, I just like, can't tell you how poorly
1: that would have gone if I was coaching that yes.
0: class. And it, it ended up in a lawsuit. So, like, I, th- this gym, essentially, their, like, whole business is ruined because of neighbors that they were next yeah. to. Yeah,
1: and we have an issue right now. where yep. like, we've been open for a year and a half, and some guy moved next door. Um and he has called the cops on us twice for noise for just being a gym, yep. e- existing as any gym would. And, uh, you know, there's. We, I remember when we moved in, we looked at that house and said, are they going to be cool with this? We went and
0: talked to them. We talked yeah. to the
1: neighbors, yeah. And they were great, and they joined the gym, and then they moved out, and they moved out of San Diego, <laughs> and this motherfucker moved in. <laughs> and uh, it's funny, though, because I have, like, the police on speed dial for the next time I see him practicing archery in right. his front yard. Right. But yeah, it just goes to show you, it's like that movie Neighbors, like it's, anything can happen. So when you're looking at a facility, you have to look at what's currently there and also what has the potential to be there. So when we opened up in this half residential, half non-residential area, you know, we knew the businesses would be fine on the left-hand side, but on the right-hand side, all of a sudden there's a house there. So it was cool with the current neighbor, but you know who knows what's going to happen. And now we're in a scenario where we're kind of dealing with a little bit um, of a different situation with a new neighbor. So, yeah. Um, One thing I, I, we've kind of harped on it a little bit here and there, but I want to
0: put it into its own point is um, when you go look at a location, a lot of times you're excited about opening a gym. If it's your first one or, you know, expanding if it's your second one and you look at a spot that has some very good attributes tendency is to start working through the non-positives as we can make this work. Okay, well, uh, Rose there's no... colored glasses. What's that?
1: Just seeing it through rose-colored glasses. Exactly.
0: So, you know, there's no parking. Oh, but, um, you know, three blocks away, there's a parking garage. Uh, it's super cheap. Um, you know, oh, there's, uh, you know, shitty neighbors or something. Oh, but, like, we'll talk to them. They'll be fine. Um, whatever these these negatives are, I remember we looked at one one place in North County and uh, had all this outdoor space, but it was slanted, and we were like, "Oh, you know, we could come in and and pour concrete to even it out." And it's like, <laughs> you know. You, you you get excited and you start thinking of ways that you you can work through these right. negative issues and at, at stop yourself if you're there and just say what are we doing right you know this if we're having to work through and come up with creative ways to solve like pretty big issues then it's not the right place.
1: Yeah, I still think that place could have been sick though.
0: I like I, I think <laughs> about it all the time. Like th- there is a possibility is it still
1: open. Maybe we should drive up. There.
0: <laughs> But, like, you know, it, it, exactly what we're talking about right now, like, it is so tempting to be interested in that. But if we wanted that location, demo the building, fix the ground, like, you know... Fix re- the earth. Yeah, rebuild another structure, get permits, fix go through face. the city, like, all this different stuff. <laughs> um, which, all of a sudden, this exciting new process turns into a nightmare of, you know, 12, 12 to 18 months of whatever it is right. we're doing before we're able to open...
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things I've always noticed about when we look at spaces is, and I think this is just a natural, like, dynamic that we've kind of learned to operate, learned to kind of, as our default behavior when we're assessing something is, like, a space that you might come in really excited about, I will come in, you know, and say, well, hey, what about this? And vice versa, if I really like something, you'll be like, yeah, but is this going to work? So, having if you're a gym that is does not, you know, if you're a sole proprietor, take somebody that you value their opinion when you're going to look at a facility Absolutely, because yeah. you that is the that is the decision you can't fuck up. Right. is where you're going to operate. And <clears throat> I know a lot of the times if you're just solo, you're so excited to open, you want to get going like even now we're itching to open up the third, we're ready, we've got everything lined up, but it still is like, you know, we have this group dynamic where I think it's going to end up netting out to be a great decision because there's checks and balances. Yep. And if you're doing it solo, you kind of let your emotions fly with it. And you, you, like you said, you slap a bandaid on things that are require much more than a bandaid and it ends up just not working. So having that, having that second voice definitely helps.
0: All right, we'll get back to the show in just a sec. Here's Dave with a little bit more info about the FCC program coming up in November.
1: How's it going guys? Dave here again really quickly for the FCC weekend this November 3rd through November 5th. Another benefit that we want to make you guys aware of is just the intimacy factor for this weekend. We've all been to certifications where the room is packed and there's a very famous speaker and you're kind of scribbling notes, trying to keep up with what they're saying, but then kind of left to your own devices on how to apply what you've learned. The FCC weekend is completely different because of the limited number of seats available for the weekend. Our coaches are going to be able to work with you hands-on to really coach you on how to coach, giving you that practical knowledge, but also how you're able to apply it to your athletes, get them better results, and get people coming back to your business or to your classes at a much higher rate.
0: Um, one, one quick thing, kind of going back to what we were talking about with um, income and demographics and stuff like that. Um, that, that spot that we looked at yesterday at the cost that they were asking, it was just a, a hard no, you know, this is not worth this amount of money. However, if you find that place and all of a sudden it's $5,000 or $4,000 instead of $10,000 or $12,000, whatever it was, that space all of a sudden becomes much more positive. Right. You know, then all of a sudden the no parking issue, maybe you start to move a little bit on that. You know, maybe it's like, okay, well, we, we can find creative ways to do this. Uh, the demographics aren't great, but at half the price that they were asking, demographics don't need to be perfect. You because,
1: know? but that that's, just to jump in, that's a math opinion. Math. Because yes. at half the overhead, you now all of a sudden need less members for your break-even and your profit point. Right. So <clears throat> In a demographic that's not as good, if you're getting less, you need less of those people. Right. So that that's that's an important thing to to make clear when we're talking about you know f- you know flexibility in your decision is it all boils down to very very precise data.
0: Yeah. I
1: mean, every single location
0: that we've ever looked at, we've built a spreadsheet. We've estimated exact costs. We've estimated um, exact growth revenue. Um, found where that break even point is mapped out how long it will take to get there. And just like all the data so that we have this blueprint of what to expect. And then you look at that number and you say, is this worth it? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's while, while there's a feeling involved when we talk about how, you know, how it feels when you walk up to a spot, there's also a very heavy data driven, essentially math equation and um, spreadsheet that you can put together. And so that if it works, in person, it has to work on paper as well.
1: Yeah, that's well said. It's like an, an art and a science.
0: <clears throat> yeah, art and science. We, lo- we love that. <laughs> um, so do you have anything else on the on all this? Nope, uh, that's I, it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, as always, guys, make sure to rate us five stars. Um, let us know any topics that you are interested in. Uh, shoot us an email. Head over to our website. Um, we're happy to kind of answer any questions and add any topics to the docket. Yep. Um, until next time, uh, have a good one. We'll see you later. Later.